You are listening to a Big MX Radio podcast, brought to you by Fly Racing, presented by W Wheels, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, TransCanada Motorsports, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Westside Honda, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Motocross and Supercross news from around the globe. We're not experts, but we've got a microphone. Check us out on the web at www.bigmxradio.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, W Wheels, and X-Brand Goggles. I am your host, as usual, Brad Gebhardt, but with me on the line, he's a California kid with some serious speed, and he's been racing against the best since the very beginning. Now has a, uh, a 9 to 5 job, or more like 9 to overtime job, but uh, he does a lot of work, and he does a lot of going fast on the weekends. I'm talking about none other than Fast House's own Sean Collier. Sean, I understand you're doing some driving. How's it going, brother? Man, it's going great, man. It's uh, good to be back with you here. Um, currently uh, almost 9 o'clock, and I'm driving up north, and I appreciate you taking the time because I know it's probably quite a bit later for you. What is it, about 11 or so? Uh, it's a quarter after uh, 12 o'clock, or I mean uh, 10 o'clock uh, central time, and uh, it doesn't really matter. I'd, I'd be up anyway watching uh, my Winnipeg Jets uh, get their asses handed to them by the Calgary <laughs> Flames. Uh, we just we just had our... our, our First string goalie uh, switched out for the the backup, so uh, that game's long since done. Uh, it's time to do a podcast, and uh, I know we talked about this uh, at Christmas time on Boxing Day. We did a podcast, and uh, and now we're we're reconvening on on Groundhog Day of all of all days to uh, to do this. And uh, um, thanks again for for coming on the show once again. It's it's the second time, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this same time tomorrow. Uh, of course. Well, thank you. You know, definitely. I'm I'm stoked to be here. For sure. Uh, so, uh, like, before we get too far into this, uh, what are you doing now? As for a profession, as well as uh, how does that end up? You going for a drive late night on a Monday? Um, and 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 uh, like, what what type of work are you doing right now that t- that takes you away from home for uh, the, the amount of time that you do? Well, basically, I'm a uh, water treatment technician, so. Essentially, what I do is I clean out refrigeration units uh, or units that are associated with refrigeration systems. Uh, mostly grocery stores, especially when I'm working up north. I do a lot of the all the Walmart accounts. So, anytime you go into a Walmart, you'll see a big section of the store is dedicated to all their frozen foods, uh, you know, meat, deli, all that type of stuff. Well, all those cases in there are refrigerated and most of those stores in California are what we call water cool systems. So they recirculate water and create the cooling effect for all the refrigeration uh, for all the cases rather in the store. So basically I just clean out those units and make sure they're operating well. So uh, we got some accounts up in uh, uh, Reno, Nevada that I handle. It's actually only one, one account, the Smart Final. So I'll be heading up there, um, not this coming up week, but the following week. So the first Week of the month, I'm always up north. I go up to Reading and work my way back down south, uh, back into uh, L.A. And then uh, second week, I'm near my house, pretty close near my house. 
so stuff. I'm in town. And then third week, I'm back on the road again for a full week. And then uh, the fourth week, I'm back in town again. So basically two weeks out of the month, I'm every month I'm out of town. And then those other two weeks, I'm back in town and uh, get to settle down a little bit, do a little bit more uh, riding, hopefully, coming up. It's been super crazy lately. We, uh, unfortunately, lost a guy of the company, so we've had to pick up the slack quite a bit and uh, hasn't been giving me much, oh, excuse me, hasn't been giving me much time for anything else but work. So That's not I've good been for riding. speed, man. No, yeah, I've been riding every uh, other weekend, so i which actually ends up being a race. And funny enough, I didn't get to ride this last weekend, but I will be racing this weekend at Glen Helen. I think there's some event that I'm going to be doing with Kenny and, and all the boys fast house. So we'll be uh, getting ready for that. So I'm stoked. You know, I got to grind away out here, and I just look forward to uh, riding my dirt bike, you know. It's crazy. It's like every time I get on the bike, it's been, you know, a couple weeks or at least a full solid week. So it's just it's just nice to, to have that um I guess that therapeutic, you know, just let it all go, all that stress during the week and just get on my bike and just have fun, you know, rip around, you know. Feel, <laughs> feel that undescribable feeling that you get from riding a motorcycle. Uh, for anyone who, who races, when you race and you try and explain how you how motocross makes you feel, you, you literally can't put it into words. And, like, uh, the only way I could I – could uh, think to do it was uh, that um, Ryan Hughes had mentioned that you're you're working in you literally work on how the feel your soul feels and when you ride a dirt bike you feel so free and and things when things going well it just clicks and you keep going faster and faster and everything you you couldn't get, put a wheel wrong if you wanted to and and it's just the most relieving feeling in the whole wide world it doesn't matter if your girlfriend just dumped you you got exams tomorrow you don't got two nickels to rub together you got two wheels and an engine my friend that's that's cornucopia right there no you're right it's like that you know and it's uh it's pretty cool man i mean i I love all disciplines of riding a motorcycle whether it's going out and doing some trail riding for fun or um you know going and, and doing some play rides and doing some jumps or even going out doing some racing, you know, I mean, it's all awesome. But for me, you know, I've been doing quite a bit of, seems like racing lately, you know, when I, when I get out to the track, it hasn't been so much going out and, and just riding for fun, but I turn the whole racing experience into just a fun experience. I mean, you know, you can, you can really stress yourself out and, and you look at just end results and it's like, all right, and here's what I want. This is what, you know, I'm doing this for, I want to get this result, you know, I want to make, uh, I want to make this, I want to accomplish this, um, but for me now, it doesn't, that doesn't apply anymore, because I'm just doing it for fun, purely for fun, I, I have my 9 to 5 job, or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> um, so, I don't, you know, it's not like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get these results, so I can possibly get a ride, or or maybe yeah. line up my own like, deal, you know. It's sponsors like, happy, and and then be my own business owner by aligning sponsors and. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for for me, it's just go out there, have a great time, and uh, and it's really cool, you know, having Fast House and the Thousand X guys step up, and and all the other great sponsors we have helping out. You know, it, it really is just enabling me to go out there on a really, really good privateer machine 
and just have a have a ball, you know, with all my all my brothers at the track. No pressure. And uh, yeah, no man, it's cool. And you know, I still find myself because I I have this this competitive side of me that's been ingrained since I was a child. So you know, I get up on the line and like this last weekend, and I just kind of like first moto I I rode real tight. I just wasn't riding like myself, you know. Cause I was I was racing with like a I don't know, just almost like my old self, you know, worried about, oh, man, come on, you're riding tight. Why are you riding like this? You're going to get passed and this and that. And it's like, dude, seriously, who, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, yeah. get passed. It's like, get, get passed, have fun with it, man. Like, no kidding. Now we got a battle it. happening. Like, yeah, it's like crap. So second moto rolled around and I loosened up and it was like, you know, I just didn't care. It was like, just have some fun, you know, that's what, it's what we're here for. And I, I love to battle. I do. It's, it's a fun experience. Yeah. Um, but I don't like that feeling of when you're out front, you're running away with it, and then now you're all of a sudden like, you know, you're checking yourself like, oh man, am I gaining? Do I got to, you know, ah, screw that. Who cares? Let them gain up. Let them get up on you. Let's do some battling. And it's like, who really cares who wins? You know I mean? For me, it's like, that's the best feeling for me is when I just let go of all that bull crap that doesn't matter and just put on a good show because love people it. love to see a fishing battle where we're like going on at it and you know, and, and it's like, who cares? You know, you got off the track. I mean, the best battles I've ever seen were when racers battled hard, did some rubbing, and then after it was done, they gave each other a hug and were like, That was yeah, ridiculous, you know? and they're pointing out onto the sick. track. We're like, I totally had you there, and oh, man, you were so much faster than there, but I dive-bombed your ass. <laughs> exactly. That's what's pitching. It's like, I remember battles of Brownie and uh, and Ryan Hughes in 03 when oh, yeah. Stewart had wadded himself, and and those two were left to just battle it out, and it was like, I remember Mount Morris, those guys going at it tooth and nail, and it was just so awesome. At the end of the race, they're, I don't even remember who won, because it, it didn't matter. Brownie. You know, they both just, put, was it Brownie? Yeah. Yeah. Got so, him at the end it there. It was sick. You know, it was like, well, those guys were so stoked on the battle that, you know, it was just awesome. And then we saw later on in the season, emotions got ahead. Bud's of Creek, yeah, in practice like, at Bud's Creek that year, they got so mad. Uh, exactly. Brownie got taken out, ripped his, or no, wait, uh, Hughes got taken out, ripped his jersey wide open and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then James came back and ruined it all. Exactly. And that was, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Watching James come back his first race, crash in the first corner Bonifaz, and, uh, yeah. and just put on a clinic. I mean, it was just so gnarly. That was like the James Stewart of old, man. Or, Oh, that's vid- right. that yeah, so video funny. segment, of course, I'm referencing to. I wouldn't get to go to these races. I, I used to watch all the great outdoors. And seeing that race uh, on the video where he just rips through everyone. Who hasn't, hasn't seen it, look it up. I guarantee it's on YouTube somewhere where oh, he yeah. literally gets taken out by Steve Boniface on the first corner and goes from last to first. Before, like, honestly, I don't think it was even the middle port of the moto yet. He stuffs Brock uh, Sellards at the bottom of a hill and just, like, league above. Like, it was literally like watching a pro racing with uh, the the C-Class. It was it was ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. That was, it was something else. I think Tedesco was out out front leading it. For you know his first national, he was ever leading. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, Stewart uh, he had other plans. <laughs> Put a yeah, yeah on totally. That. And and for a couple of years after that, or at least for for two thousand and four as well. Um, let's jump into the the career of a of a Sean Collier, which started at a pretty young age. The sixty five cc six. Uh, 
10 to 11 stock class at Loretta Lynn's. Uh, you must have started racing a little younger than that, but that's the first time yeah. that uh, that you ended up on the, the, the national scene at uh, Loretta Lynn's. And you ended up third overall uh, and then 19th overall in the 85. So I'm guessing you're probably 11 years old at this point? Probably, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the last like Big on the 65, small on the, small on the 80? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my first year we had ever done Loretta's, and I think that was my last year on 60s. Yeah. So, yeah, I probably was 10 years old. Well, that's right. It would have uh, been a 60, not a 65, of course. That's 97. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's what, exactly. I didn't have the 65 yet. But, uh, yeah, so I started, that was, yeah, I think I was about 10 years old. Um, and I remember, let's see, it was, uh, Brock Epler. He won the championship that year. That was the first That's year right. I actually met Brock Epler. Uh, Mike, it was kind Michael of funny. Willard Epler, as well. Yep. Edged Willard out. got second. I got third. And, um, uh, Brock Epler throughout his whole career, I don't know if many people know this, but he didn't do all the amateur nationals. He would just do the red hmm. and the guy would show up. Not until later on in his career. He started when he got his uh, uh, American Suzuki ride, and then he yeah. started doing more nationals. But There's probably he part didn't of his do, contract. like, yeah, no, and, and the guy had so much freaking talent because he, uh, he was a really good student from what I, I learned. Um, he was always real quiet, reserved, but, man, that guy could ride a dirt bike. <laughs> he was an impressive damn rider. And, uh, you know, just, not seeing him at all the races when I was younger, and then all of a sudden you see Loretta Lynn's, and I was like, this Brock Kessler guy can sure ride a dirt bike, though. No kidding. You know? But uh, that, that was cool, man. That was, Only... that was, that brought back some old memories, I'll tell you. That was, uh, that was a heck of a, uh, an experience, you know, because I'd never raced Loretta Lynn's before, and, you know, just the whole vibe of the place, it was gnarly. It was, was kind of crazy, actually. When I first showed up there, um, I promptly actually got disqualified <laughs> like within from? five minutes oh from, really uh, <laughs> yeah funny story i as soon as my pop pulled into the place i was just like wow this is heaven you know and i saw the track it was all grass and i was like wow that is amazing looking and i saw this guy out there on a uh, uh one of those golf carts like cruising out on the track and i thought yeah. hmm, hey dad why don't i want to take out the old pit bike here and i want to go ahead and cruise around well first thing i did was go ahead to the motocross track of course of course. So, yeah, you're riding, riding the track before everyone's allowed to. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't even think twice about it. I thought, well, open gate, green grass, motorcycle jumps, let's go ahead and have some fun. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. within five minutes, I was pulled off the track and uh, I was told that I was going to be disqualified. <laughs> it's a long <laughs> way to drive. Was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pops was like, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. So he, uh, he worked his magic. He's pretty diplomatic, obviously, and got the, uh, the whole deal reversed. And, you know, hey, look, I'm really sorry. And they said, all right, well, we're just gonna have to impound the bike for the week. So you can't ride his pit bike. You know, he's sitting over here and you can't take it. So yeah, I said, all right, that's fair enough. So he yeah, the bike. T- take the thing, sell it for all I care. Just let the yeah, kid oh, ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. So I was like, "Oop!" It almost ended uh, pretty quickly. So no kidding, but, God, uh, we, it was over before. We it still started. got to race and ride, so it was cool. And it was it was a pretty bitchin' experience. And my mom, she she went that time too. And uh, a lot of people that have gone to Loretta Lynn know that there's some, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, let's go ahead. Who cares? Mm. Uh, there's some bootleggers out there that 
do some homemade moonshine. Yes, my mom, there is a fair bit of drinking down there in Hurricane <laughs> yeah. Hills. Absolutely. That is highly documented. You don't have to uh, uh, censor anything on that side. I'm fairly certain anyone who's listening to a podcast about motocross uh, knows all too well the shenanigans that goes down at Hurricane Mills. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, good old Ma, she, she got herself a couple uh, ball, glass ball jars at these uh, just filled with, you know, the, the moonshine. And mm-hmm. She bought some to, to Gramps. You know, my, my grandpa, he, like, he likes his liquor, so. That was pretty cool. He was like, I got the moonshot. Uh, he was all excited. He had that stuff for a good couple of years. That was high octane, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, only two California riders in the whole field. The other one placed ninth overall. Got fourth in the moto. Uh, Want to guess who it was? Josh Grant. <laughs> Josh Grant. And how did you know that? Uh, Josh and I were really close friends back in the day, man. I, we were actually hanging out all weekend. I remember him and his pop got the motorhome out there. They rented, and uh, yeah, we were we were just hanging out, man, having a good old time and racing against each other. Yeah, dude, it was cool. That's excellent. And now you 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 placed uh, within the top ten a number of times. In fact, more often than not, you were a top ten guy in every class that you entered in the. The, the Loretta Lins, uh, t- capturing one championship for the 125B stock in 2002, uh, over, uh, such names as, like I said before we hit record on this, Teddy Mayer, uh, a Canadian 250 national champion, Tommy Hahn, a guy who's won races at the professional level, uh, I don't know who Jimmy Nielsen is, but, uh, he, uh, he, Jimmy, wait, Jimmy Nelson, that's yeah, a kid Jimmy that he, he, came he came up in Race Canada. Canada a bunch, he's redhead, right? Absolutely. He's an yeah, all-world he rider. Yeah. Yep. No, he's, and, a, he's uh, a great rider. And Donnie McGordy, of all people. Yeah. Oh, Donnie McGordy, man. I've heard that name forever. No kidding. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, you, you grew up racing along the same line, same timeline. I guess I've got to imagine you're about the same age, if not a year older. Um, actually, you're younger than James Stewart. Uh, a yep. guy who uh, graduated out of uh, Loretta Lynn's in 2002, uh, or I guess 2001, you stayed there for an extra year, as I guess you, you stayed as long as you, you, you could as an amateur, before going pro in 2003. What was it like uh, growing up knowing that there's this polarizing uh, kid on the other side of the country who uh, he means business every time the gate drops? Man, it was... Um... It was quite an experience, man. I'll tell you, racing against James was pretty much an ass kicker every time. <laughs> we went to the track. We, you know, we had the hopes of battling with James and thinking, all right, you know, we've been doing our homework and we're going to be able to, uh, we're gonna be able to do something with him this year, you know. I think we'll be able to maybe give him a run for his money and, and it just, it never panned out. The guy was pretty much head and shoulders above all of the competition. Um, I don't remember a single time where, you know, we would hear guys brag about, oh, yeah, my son beat him. And, oh, yeah, man, he beat him, man. I'll tell you, he did. Well, man, we in the Winter Series back home. He did this and that. And it was like, you know, saying, oh, yeah, we'll just watch, you know. He's, he's going to get James here. And, and, I mean, it would never materialize. In fact, it was, quite honestly, just, just more demoralizing. Just just talk. It was like, come on, you know, I'm sorry to say. But uh, James Stewart, man, he, Kid was fast. he could ride a damn dirt bike better than anyone I've ever seen, serious. 
It was just, it was so evident, you know. I mean, even growing up and watching Ricky and Johnny Marley and all these great riders, they were they're incredible. But James just had a little extra, you know, where it was like, damn, <laughs> I don't know how this guy goes this fast. And he was always really creative on the bike, and he had no reserve. He had no fear. It was as if he just had so much dang confidence on that bike that it just, he just kept going, you know, and he would do things that us kids just couldn't even fathom. I'm like, huh? What the hell yeah, did he just there do was that? You know zero I mean? hesitation from James Stewart, yeah. and he carried that onto the 125, like, it, r- racing... James racing on his 125, uh, from what I, I, that's basically when I started watching was when he turned pro and, uh, it just, it just revolutionized it. He, he was so fast coming into corners and so fast coming out of corners that, uh, it really started turning some heads in terms of how you attack a track. And I think, like, honestly, the aggression that he started racing with changed an entire, um, an entire way of racing. Like you, you look at how, Jeremy McGrath raced Supercross uh, before that, and how like they had to be just so perfect and just more like placing the bike. Whereas uh, James was not only like precise to the smallest degree, but faster than all hell. So uh, like that, those two combined created um, some some pretty dominant performances. But you yourself, like honestly, can't say enough about like like a couple of seconds, three, four, or five. Four or five podiums minimum, including your first ever uh, championship you raced there. Um, seldom outside the top ten, man. Uh, you, you raced with some great guys, absolutely. You got to be really proud of your amateur career. And I got to think back in California, you did a fair amount of winning yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, I I did quite a bit of racing, man. I my life back then revolved around racing dirt bikes, so I was always racing. That's what I did. During the week, we didn't have the most solid program where it was all revolved around riding and racing. Uh, I went to school like a normal kid, and and my parents they let me have a somewhat normal lifestyle. I mean, I I had friends, and I you know I did things outside of racing. Uh, but when the weekend came around, that was business time, and that was when we went out and we uh, we went racing, you know. And it was great though because I had a lot of awesome friends that I really look forward to seeing every weekend and, and um, I was allowed to just experience all of it, you know, and it was cool. So I'd go out there and, and do my thing racing against, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, that I was racing against such awesome riders at times because it was just a kid and experiencing it all. But looking back on it now, it's like, wow, that was, that really, you know, it was quite an experience. It really toughened me up as a, as a kid, and I'm thankful, you know, that I did that because it gave me, it gave me just like a toughness, you know, a grit that's going to help me throughout my entire life. Um, and, you know, that's something that I'll always be able to uh, reflect back on. And I have a lot of good memories, you know. I mean, I have so many good friends that uh, that I experienced it with, and it was really cool, man. And I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I know that my career, and I look back, and you know, I I always had really high expectations. I mean, I as far as like back in the day when I was a kid, that's what I want to do was professional racing. I obviously wanted championships. That was what it was all about. So for sure, having to 
go through all of that, all the amateur stuff, and, and get to that level and then have the mental side of my game just wasn't there and, and things didn't click and I, I didn't accomplish what I had set out to do, right? You know, I, I had nothing but struggles. And, uh, but it was good, though, because, yeah, I never won championships. I never won races. I never accomplished those things that I really wanted to do. And I really did. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. Now having to swallow that and grow from it has made me a thousand times more, I would say, just well-rounded individual where it's not like everything's all about winning. It's like, you know what? Let's just put it into perspective here. Okay, we're riding dirt bikes, we're racing dirt bikes. Let's not glorify it to this point where it's like going to ruin your life and your, you know, I mean, we've heard about it, like, like the Damon Bradshaws and it's like these incredible riders and they're, you know, great people and then they want to commit suicide because they're, you know, they're not winning or they're, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm thankful that it never got to that for me. You know, it never became sour where it was like, God, I don't even want to ride a dirt bike. For me, it was always like, you know, I mean, it, there was a time where mentally having to accept that, that man, my career just didn't work out. Like, holy shit. I, you know, I, nothing really, I didn't accomplish anything that I wanted to. What the, you know, what the hell, you know, but having to swallow that pill and say, hey, you know what? It's all good, man. Like, we're still able to ride a dirt bike. Let's be thankful for what we do have. And, and now I have a lot more perspective on it. And you know what? It's all good. I'm at peace with it. You know, it's like, 100%. I did my best, you know, I did, I did my best. So that's, that's all I can really worry about. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, that's all you can do, you know, and, and the outcome, the result, that's really up in the air. That's all the chance, you know, I mean, it's like, that's anything in life, though. you know, there's, there's unexpected things that happen that derail your life that sometimes you have no control over, you know, and hell man, you know, this has been a, it's been a hell of a, a career so far, and it's crazy that I'm almost 30 years old, and it seems like I ride my dirt bike better than ever, and I have more support than I than I've had in years. You know, I mean, quite honestly, I it seems as if I have more now than ever. You know, and I I'm a nine to five guy, and I you know I work for a living, but I don't know. It's it's quite an interesting. No kidding. Honestly, my my career um, turned out. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think there's something to be said for you to be able to uh, accept the 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 shortcomings of of what you'd expected for your career, and obviously you have lofty goals coming in, having been as as uh, as successful as you were as an amateur. All the kids uh, dream of championships, and obviously uh, you you're able to to race ahead of guys like Josh Grant, who who uh, ascended to to great heights as well. He never had a championship either, but contended for them uh, uh, quite well as well. But um, the fact that you you were able to to do as well as you did. And then stay in the sport, uh, and 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 take the 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 negativity of of not being able to reach your goals, turn that around, and turn it into something that that you can you can always you'll always have your skills, and you'll always be able to go to a track on any day, whether it be this weekend or te- like 
100 weekends from now, 200 weekends from now, and unload your bike, whatever happens to be, and know that you're one of the fastest guys there on a weekend. Or if you're not the fastest, you're you're of the 1% there. And like I think that's something that I can kind of relate to with my, my skiing career is that I was at one point rank, ranked sixth in Canada for mogul skiing as well as half pipe. And I didn't end up turning pro or anything like that or going on to any X games. But I know that if I click into my skis at the average hill out in the mountains somewhere, I'm going to be able to ski better than most people that are there. And I think that in itself is the greatest thing to cherish is the fact that you have the mastery of a skill that there are millions of people out there that race motocross that could only dream of being able to come into a corner with the same confidence you have or to jump something with the confidence that you have. And, uh, and that, that's something I, I commend you for being able to grab hold of that and cherish it. Absolutely. You know, cause that, that part right there, like what you just said, is, is something that was built over time, a long time, many, many, many hours of, of riding. And not just that, but the passion off the bike. When I wasn't riding, my mind was pondering riding, you know. I would go to bed watching races and just watching the technique of all the riders. Uh, every one of them, you know. I, I used to study thousands and thousands of hours of tape. And, you know, it took a lot of, it took a lot of time, man. I'll tell you what. It, it's, uh, it was quite an endeavor, you know. And, and I am proud that I do have a skill set in something that I can consider myself a master at. You know, I know I'm not the winningest rider or have, like we said before, championships or race wins or this and that, but I have a skill set that is undeniable, and it took a lot of hard work to get to it. You know, it was not given to me. It's not given to any of us that have any skill set, just like you and your skating. That wasn't given to you. That was a passion that you had to work for, you know? Whether or not you have a lot of talent, you have to work for something. You have to have that desire. Not at all, Trent. (laughs) (laughs) Not naturally gifted at 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 too much, honestly. I uh, possibly the least natural athlete you'll ever meet. Um, but, uh, no, I appreciate that. And I honestly, I have a lot of respect for, uh, for, for you and, and what you've done with your skills and, and, and just recognizing that and just paying homage to the sport the way you do. And all right, guys, all right, guys. it's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. 
Call toll-free at 1-888-482-7782. Boom! What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Ex-racing man. But more than Fox, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. Amigos with brand. Fat bowl. Amigos with brand. Oats for power. Brands for speed. Ooh, that tastes what a delicious treat. Cereal B's Amigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than hair and stronger than steel. So, what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X Brown Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatterax, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Um, let's, let's turn it back to uh, the, the early days of your pro career. One of the very few guys that I'll end up having on this podcast that knows what it's like to race a CR125 as a professional. Yes, sir. Hey, How, like, explain to me... How, how going professional on a CR, like you were, a, you were a Kawasaki, you were a, a team green rider, uh, as a, as an amateur up until 2001. Go on to the CR, uh, who was, uh, helping you out at that time and, uh, how they ended up helping you to your worst ever national finish in the history of Sean Collier's career, the very first national he ever did. Oh yeah, that was quite a day, I'll tell you. Um, well, I'll tell you what, that, uh, I got a ride with, it was American Honda through the Honda Houston program. So that was basically like the Red Riders program back in the day. Um, I think now they don't even have really a program anymore like that. No, they don't. Um, I'm not, yeah, exactly. It's kind of sad. But, uh, so I was pretty much one of the last crop of kids. Maybe Josh Grant was, oh, you know what? Probably it was Barsha. He was probably one of the last Barsha and Tomac. But, um, Basically, I got a ride with those guys, and, uh, you know, we, we started working at it, um, and we were hoping to turn it into, like, a, 
just like Josh did in Tomac where you get the factory connection ride. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. My results my last year, two years before I turned pro, so it, uh, when I won my title at Loretta's, it went really, really well. Everything was, you know, it clicking, and it was kind of weird because 2003 came around. My program was far more solid. I was riding a lot more. You know, this kind of shows you, though, the mental side of the sport. It's so mental, and... So now, theoretically, you're thinking, okay, in 02, I had, my program was, say, maybe 50% of what it was in 03. So you'd think, okay, 03, I'm going to do better now. I have a lot lot more going for me, a lot more experience. I'm working with David Bailey now. I, You know, everything should go great. But unfortunately, when I'd get to the track or to the races, I was just mentally not doing it. You know, I was pumping up. I was having major arm pump issues. We've heard that time and time again where a great rider is like, Dean Wilson. Arm pump issues. Exactly. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? He should be getting top threes, but he's getting tens. And that was what it was like for me. I mean, I, and it just, not get arm pump going surgery? well. No, I never did. I never, never believe in that type of thing, you know, going in surgically and doing something like that. It was a mental thing, you know, it, it truly was. And, I remember doing the first national that year in Texas. I, you know, I pulled the whole shot and I immediately just cartwheeled, you know, and it was like from that moment on, man, the rest of my year was just a big cartwheel. I mean, a cartwheel of just mentally going into it, not ready. My confidence was just for some reason I was working myself up, worrying so much about where I wanted to place. I knew that it was very important that I needed to have great results this last year to garner me a ride for next year, you know? And it was like, okay, come on. You got to do it. This is the year that it counts. And mentally, that just jacked me up. And I was pumping up at all my races. So when I finally moved pro, it was like, all right, what are we going to do? We don't have any offers. There's nothing on the table. You got a Loretta Lens where you barely cracked the top 10, I think. Maybe I didn't even crack the top 10. I'm not too sure. But uh, I had a really tough learning lens, and I went into my professional. Actually, you know what? I did race. That's right. I rode uh, uh, Hangtown. Hangtown the very next weekend, where you beat none other than David Pingry. Hey, I did. On a a Primal (laughs) Impulse uh, Suzuki. He would have been number (laughs) 60, I think, that year. Uh, But you were not able to beat uh, Kurado... Toda. Oh, yeah, dude. He was right for TRE. I actually was pitted with those guys, uh, the TRE guys. <laughs> you beat Shane Best, though, who arguably did a lot worse in his career than you. You know what? Yeah, Shane, that was the same type of thing, though. You know, Shane just, I mean, he had completely different circumstances, but Shane was a great rider. Man. I, yeah, I Shane, I remember him Shane. in, like, uh, Pastrana, sorry to interrupt you there, but when Pastrana was like hyping him up in worry. Revelation 199, I'm like, oh yeah, this kid's gonna be something. And he was in all the uh, uh, the Mini Warriors videos. Are you in any of those? You know what I am? Yeah, actually, I think the the first one, uh, okay, and and the second one, I believe. Fair enough, but yeah, like, t- tell me a little bit more about uh, uh, you pitting with uh, Mr. Toda. Yeah, it was actually with the, so the whole TRE crew in that year was. It was him and uh, uh, Timmy Wiegand were the two riders. So, and I grew up racing with Timmy as well. He he started pretty late in life. I think 18 years old when he oh, started wow. riding. Yeah, incredible rider actually, if you think about it. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, he uh, he was racing for the TRE team, you know, the privateer effort, and they were kind enough to let us pit with them. And and so the first race I did, I think, was Glen Helen. Uh, yeah, it was. It was my first national. And, you know, I, I was <laughs> working with David Bailey, and, you know, I'd do lessons out at Glen Helen, and he'd be taking my lap times. So. I remember one particular day, I would, you know, I'd go out there and I could bust out 45 minute autos, and I was in really good shape. I was out there and he's like, man, you're like within a second and a half, two seconds of, of Rhino's lap times every lap, you know, like, dude, you, you're going to be, I think you're going to, you know, surprise yourself at the national, you know. <laughs> Thinking back on that now, that probably was like the worst thing to say to me because then I just became even more mental. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, because then when the national came around, I remember we had nothing but problems. You know, we went into the to the race with this new uh, this new carburetor that we were trying at the race. I guess it made like three horsepower more on the dyno or something. The guy was doing my motors at the time, so you're trying this jetless carburetor. Practice rolls around, you know, and the bike just every time I would hit a bump or anything like that, it would cut out. You know, it, it, the bike ran great, but as soon as you hit a bump, it could go on, could go on. I was like, what the hell is going on, you know? On so, a bike that was already a powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a powerhouse, I'll tell you, on the 125. Pretty sad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we went into it thinking, all right, you know, we'll be all right. We'll just, you know, it's not too bad. Well, the track's going to get rougher, right? A lot rougher. The first motor rolls around, and oh, my gosh, the bike was just fog and everywhere, and I'm like, oh my gosh, so we just floundered all day long, and by the second moto, I, I don't even know if I finished both motos, I know, I yes, you did, of course, did what do you I? mean, the, your I, first one? Yeah, I don't know if I even finished, I don't, uh, I don't know if I, well, I, depending on how Casey Johnson did on that particular day, uh, you beat him, uh, he may have DNF'd both motos, uh, oh yeah, Casey Johnson broke his, I think, his ribs, and his, he got the whole shot, right? He was riding for Suzuki. Back that, Suzuki. Yeah, that's the time that he raced for Suzuki. He, he was, uh, like, the, he was filling in for somebody. And, yeah, that yeah. one went that went bad. Yeah, it went real bad. And he, he was actually riding phenomenal. I think he might have whole-shot it or something. And it did a that is, the, yeah, he whole-shot it and then had the, that big crash there. But you, uh, right behind Sleater, Mills, Josh Hansen, Bess, uh, in the, the thirties there. Um, but yeah, then the very next weekend, and like, I'm not sure, sure if you know this, but, uh, you did end up beating, uh, not only, like, I was just said, David, uh, or, yeah, David Pingry, but, uh, Mr. Hangtown himself on a Who's 125. That? Steve Lampson <laughs> ended up 29th. And oh, you beat him in the first moto, like, straight yeah. up. I think I got 19th, right, or something. You I did. You went 19-22. Or two points. Yep, that's right. That's right. Now, I remember that. That was uh, that was quite an improvement. We ended up going to that race with a normal carburetor. We said, all right, we don't need Good. three extra horsepower. Let's just go there with a normal carburetor that doesn't cut out. So we were uh, we were much better off. But I remember thinking it was so gnarly. Again, even going back to Glen Helen, it was like, oh, my gosh, it was so emotional. Sitting on the line, like, oh, this is what I've always wanted, you know, right here. It was awesome. You know, I the end result I was super bummed on, but still it was great, you know, and then going into the second race, we were just looking forward to just having two solid motos. It was like, okay, you know, we got our ass kicked, you know, reality check, but you know, you're not uh you're not 
as good as you think you are. You got a lot of work to do, you know. So it was good. Went into the second race. Um, I knew what to expect now. It was like, okay, these guys are going to be pretty much gnarly from the moment the gate drops all the way to the checkered flag. And, you know, that's what we got. And it was cool because it was like, holy shit, these guys are on the gap, you know, and going from the amateurs where my expectations were basically winning. And, of course, you you pretty much carry that same mentality going into the into the professional ranks. And, yeah, it's next level. Yeah, it was like, Oh my gosh, I got, uh, I remember being so embarrassed of finishing, I know it sounds horrible, what an a-hole, but for some reason I just was so embarrassed, it was like, oh my gosh, I just literally rode my heart out and all I got was 19th and 22nd, like, man, I really suck. Wow, I'm like, sorry to hear you're so myself. hard on yourself, man, like, uh... Oh no, I was, I was bad back then, it was like, really guy, you know, I, and of course how I was looking at it was, James Stewart in his first race, you know, because I, James was always like the guy that I judged myself off of. Like, okay, what did mm-hmm. James do? Okay, and where am I at? You know, and it was like, all right, well, James's first national, he was battling with Mike Brown, and got and he wins. He, well, his or no, he won. First national, he won in the mud at uh, Hangtown. Hangtown, that's right, exactly. That's right. So it was Time like. Too. You know, I'm looking at that, and I'm judging myself off that, and it's like, oh, man, and you're not even cracking into the top ten? Oh, boy. And, well, you know, you got yeah, more like to do, you know? On, on the At Hangtown, <laughs> you didn't even beat Steve Mertens and Steve Tim Mertens. Wigand. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How did Timmy do there? Did you get the results there? Uh, Tim, Tim ended up 15th. He went 15-16 right. on a Honda. And yeah, Steve Mertens ended up. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, no, I said I think he passed me both motos, actually, Timmy. No kidding. Oh, I, two yeah. guys clearly, uh, California, like, well, Santa Clara, that's right up there. Um, so, yeah, like, those two guys had to have been, like, and Sedona or Sonoma, that's that's got to be, uh, like, NorCal, correct? Yep, yep, yep. That's yeah, TV so those guys are on home. Those guys are on home turf, and uh, Steve Mertens with an eleven thirteen. I'm looking at that name, and I'm just like, I like, I've heard the name, no idea. Great rider, great rider. He he was a late bloomer. Um, I believe like maybe two years before he turned professional, the guy just started. It was like, whoa, who is Steve Mertens? You know, and he was hmm. threatening for race wins at on the amateur level, and then you know he was like. Truly, I think, you know what, he ended up getting he a ride with, a husky. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, he got a factory Husqvarna ride in 2001, I think, right? Or 2000? 2002, he rode, uh, that would have been the same year that uh, Gosler. No, maybe okay. not. Like, that's, yeah, that's that's fast by Farachi days. Uh, okay, so Preston, Preston, right? Right back when Preston got 2000, or no, you said 2001. That would have been 01 when he won the race. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. but yeah, no, he, uh, he didn't do too well on the, uh, well, 14th in a, in one supercross, Minneapolis, 2002. Um, yep. but yeah, I just thought I'd click over to that. And yeah, surprised to see that, uh, on a Husky, they've come full circle. Now they're actually doing well again. Oh, yeah. Now their program is definitely quite a bit better than what it was then. I'm, I'm sure of it, you know, especially having KTM in their corner and, Helping with the development of the bike, I think that's was the greatest thing for that company. Yeah, uh, I know. I know they did have some success. You know, it was it was tough though, battling against the Japanese bikes and 
I used to do some testing for the uh, magazines, and the Husqvarna was just, it just had issues, you know. I know the transmission was really, really, really bad. Um, the bike stock, just, it was really poor, you know. The thing just had some issues, so coming into, you know, going into the professional ranks, I'm sure it must have been like, whoa, Stevie came off a ride, and I think Yamaha's, which were great bikes, and off and on that, but like, all right, well, it's going to be a bit, bit of an adjustment. So, you know, I, unfortunately, I don't think it worked out for him. Who knows, with injuries. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much the name of the game in this sport is it seems like every single rider, the common denominator, pretty much ends up being injury, whether it's mental injury or physical injury, but usually that's what it is. So. That's hard on your body, and it's hard on, uh, like you said, it's a mental game, and uh, it's something that you struggled with up until uh, the better part of like, the, like your your the first three years you were on the series. Uh, obviously, it was a, a very trying time for you dealing with the fact that not getting the results that you were hoping for. Uh, what turned around for you in 2006? Were you able to uh, get um, get some a couple of top six finishes, a, a, a sixth and a fifth? At uh, Anaheim, uh, two and and Phoenix, uh, where you beat the guys like uh, Ryan Villapoto. That was honestly having the support from Star Racing. I up to that point, I did have a, a ride initially when I turned pro with the Motorsport Outlet team. However, it was a first year deal. Uh, the infrastructure of the team, it wasn't. You couldn't have called it a factory level team. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, it was it was a privateer effort, and it you know it it was tough. Um, you know, thinking back on it now, I had some really great teammates, but we just were not prepared. You know, 2004. So then, 2005 rolled around. We knew that okay, look, we gotta we gotta find a better track to ride. We gotta find numerous tracks. Can't just stick to just one Supercross track that. You know, isn't going to get you ready for the big show. So yeah, like was there out. the milestones and those types of tracks back then? Like, does those exist? Like, where did I, guys practice if they didn't have the facility, like a t- like a factory Cowie or something like that? You know what? Back then, thinking thinking back, I you know they no, they definitely didn't have what they have now, where pretty much you can go like like Star West and Milestone and. And Elsinore and all these different places have fully blown supercross tracks. Back then, it was kind of like a makeshift deal. You'd have a track that went, hey, you know what, we're going to build a supercross track. And they, they would build their own, and it wasn't to spec, you know, and it was just kind of like, kind of supercross-y, just you know, pee-pee. but it wasn't to spec, yeah. So, but 2005 rolled around. So in 04, I, I stuck to just riding the team track, which the track was, it was a good track, but... Number one, I never nailed it. The track was almost to scale, but not quite. Nowhere near as gnarly. The triples weren't as gnarly. The jumps, the rhythm sections weren't as gnarly. The whoops weren't as gnarly. And I never nailed that track. So I thought, you know, I mean, I, I got it down decent, but I remember through the whoop sections, I, I came off of the two-stroke, and you have to ride the bike different on a two-stroke. Or you have oh, to totally. ride the track differently. Um on a two-stroke, you can get away with going through a hoop section and third gear and flying the bike out, you know, and it would go fine, you know. But on a four-stroke, you have to hit a hoop section on a... In the meat of the power. Yeah, exactly. Fourth, fifth gear, you know, I know with some of these factory transmissions, these guys can get away with, 
you know, going through there and maybe even second. But, uh, you know, you're on a stock machine, you need to get that bike lug in, and you're not going to want to be just ramming it to the moon because the rear's There's no not power up there. Exactly, and especially on a four-stroke. So I went through the whoops in third gear the whole year, and I never once got them down, man. I'd come into them all fast and just hold it wide open, and nose would be diving. And you'd think that, you know, I would have thought to myself, yeah, you know, you might be bogging out of the corner a little, but look ahead and kick it up a gear, but I never did. You know, I just kept hitting the whoops in third gear, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I, when I got to the track, man, I was not ready to be skimming Supercross-style whoops especially at nighttime when the moisture comes up and you really need to carry a lot of momentum and, and have your bike in the right gear, you know. So I went through that whole year just floundering, you know, not even really truly knowing how to ride a Supercross track the way it needed to be ridden. 05 came around, and I got it down much, much better. I learned that, well, let me shift it up a little bit. I, I worked with some uh, riding coaches that helped me out a little bit there, and, and that helped immensely, you know, and I, I finished – I can't remember what my, my top result was, but I qualified for more minute bands tonight. I had a good foundation. And then a ninth, six came couple around. of ninths. Wait. What's that? Was it ninth? Did I? Uh, I think it might have been a ninth. Uh, no, wait, 11th uh, in 2005. 11th, okay. Yeah, that seems 11th right, yeah. At, uh, okay. That's Anaheim 3. Exactly. So I, which was much better than before where I was barely scraping by to get into a main event. And if I did, then we were looking, you know, maybe 15 or so. but You beat Steve Lampson again. <laughs> hey, on the good. ECC Suzuki. Those are beautiful, gorgeous, oh, gross bikes. Poor guy. That was the latter part of his career, man. He was like, oh, yeah. oh that's, those are, that's <laughs> actually, that's the same year that uh, Shea Bentley, another guy who did amazing oh, yeah. things as an amateur, was also racing that. I think he was East Coast, though. Same with James. A 99, uh, I think it's 99 Supercross champion, right? In, uh, uh, 2000. West? Oh, 2000, 2000 West Champion. That's right. Yep, yeah. that's right. 2000. Beating David uh, Pingry, a very sad face, David Pingry. That's right. That's right. Now that was a uh, that was a great year for Shea. Unfortunately, it it just snowballed into one injury after another after that. But and not just yeah. injuries. I think he had like injuries to do with like his his health in general. I think he had a lot of illnesses stuff too. So. Was, yeah, I, I, uh, tough, tough story, honestly, Shea Bentley. I've had him on the show twice, and uh, he's an amazing interview. Uh, I barely have to say a damn thing. I just basically am like, story time, and he just goes on for two hours. It's great. <laughs> yeah, but, he's a uh, great guy. Yeah. Absolutely. So, sorry to get off track on you. So then 06 no rolled around, and yes, I had a better foundation two years under my belt, and I got picked up by the Star Racing guys, and they had a... Uh, they had a decent program going on that year. That's when they really got quite a bit of help from Yamaha. Uh, they got more help with the suspension side of things with Enzo, and, and they had a pretty decent budget. You know, they had Big Gun come in and help out quite a bit. Got got them a race shop, and you know, we had a full crew, and and uh, we were able to ride at the Yamaha test track, and I was able to ride different facilities. I had Josh Baggs to ride, which is a guy that I used to be buddies with, and we lined it up that year that, you know, I'd start riding there a lot more, and he had two fully-blown Supercross tracks, and Damon Huffman was riding there with him, so got to do that, and up at Wyvern, I got to ride there with with all their whole crew, and, mm-hmm. you know, and so I got to ride, you know, different tracks, Elsinore, different places, and, and just going down to the Yamaha track was huge, and riding with 
with uh, Hepler and Chad Yeah, and Reed this and, year, you, you race more in this year than you do any other season. Yeah, 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 because I had a full full ride to do, you know, the whole entire Outdoor National Series as well, Supercross, West Coast Series. So, um, no, that, that year went, you know, it, it was actually, personally, it was my most tumultuous year I've ever had mentally. It was, that was another tough year. I mean, I had my best results. The beginning of the year, everything was going great. I mean, thinking back on it now, mentally, I still wasn't there. I wasn't as tough as I needed to be. I was still looking at my competitors like they were, you know, better than me. I, I'd put them all up on a pedestal, and it was like, oh, reading, my gosh. Reading jerseys. Uh, exactly. Just, you know, I, and I wasn't mentally ready to do it, you know. And, and Phoenix was a prime example of that. I, I got a, a decent start. Um, a couple uh, riders ended up going down. Which I believe it was uh, Short and Villapoto uh, uh, took each other out, and that left me in the lead with Ramsey and a, a slew of riders behind me. Billy Linovich and, and Grant, Grant Langston. Langston, yeah. No, it was like a freight train of riders. And I remember I the track, the way it all worked out, it was literally like my backyard track that I was riding. The track was dry, dusty, nasty, and that was what I rode, you know? And it was like, all right, this is your time to, to really break in and, and show what you can do. And unfortunately, mentally, I just was not ready. I, I was sitting there talking to God going, why are you making this so easy? This is not the way it's supposed to go down. I'm not, you know, I'm not even putting any effort in right now. I'm sitting there talking to myself during the race, literally having a conversation in my head. And, I mean, come on, man, seriously. You know, <laughs> I threw the race away pretty much as far as going out and, and riding like I knew how to. I was, I was, I was riding in this, I don't and even know. And that's why you ended up going back to sixth? Exactly. You know, it was mentally, I wasn't prepared. I was looking at these guys like they were better than me. And then, sure enough, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll just let them up. Oh, that. You know, I made a couple of mistakes and boom, you know, I was in sixth place somehow. That's <laughs> on the last lap. I was like, wait a minute. I was just running second, you know. It, but hey, well, you, you know said what? that, that Shorty was, and Villapoto went down. They ended up both catching you by the end. Yeah. They ca- I think they, I think they both, yeah, they both passed me on, on the last lap. Well, actually, everyone passed me on the last lap. But I think I came around. I think I crossed the finish line. In second place on the last lap, and then by the time they ended that lap, I was back to six. I'm gonna, so. I guarantee, uh, Tony Blazer has this on YouTube. I'm gonna watch this tonight. Oh yeah, no, I, if you look back, I don't, and my dad filmed the whole race personally, and watching the footage, you know, I used to, I would critique my, my riding, and I was just looking back up every jump. It was like, it was bad, you know, I was like, okay, dude, you are not even riding ahead, you're just, it was like a, like a lost puppy, and like, oh my gosh, Grant Langston, you know, <laughs> it was just ridiculous, and then, back then, I didn't look at Villapoto like that, obviously, he was younger than me, but he, such a strong-headed kid, it was like, boom, he was going around me, because I was right behind me now, at this point, he just, you know, he took advantage of me, making a small mistake, didn't make a uh, rhythm section triple, and boom, he passed me too, so I think he ended up getting fifth, and I got sixth, if I remember correctly. Uh, he so, ended up getting fourth. Short was fifth, and uh, Darcy Lange was okay. Uh, okay. Eighth. Darcy was wait, what place did Darcy get? He get eighth, and uh, oh, okay. Weimer was eleventh. For those who are listening, want to know who else was in this race? You got Jeff Dement, Kyle Partridge, uh, 
Eric Sorby on the twilight of his professional career. Uh, Sleet Dog, of course. I got to yeah. imagine you're either best friends or not great friends with Michael Sleater. Uh, oh, he's Justin a good guy. Keeney. I like Mike. Oh, right on. Uh, and Jessica Sias. I know he was in that race. That's right. Uh, Jason Lawrence, just Justin Brayton, and uh, the late uh, Andrew McFarland. Uh, may rest That's him. right. That's right, yeah, because Andrew, that was uh, when he got hired, I believe, by uh, Yamaha Troy. That's right. Remember him out at the track, yeah, doing some motos with him. That was cool. But, uh, yeah, no, that was pretty much my, uh, that was my most successful main event um, of my yeah, career. Yeah, after, after that portion of your season, like, you obviously had the next race in Anaheim 3, and uh, it, it yeah. looks like things come kind of came unraveled for you for the rest of the year, other than Bud's Creek, he ended up getting a ninth. Yeah, no, that is, then I had decent ride at the following round at Anaheim. And then after that, I think I ended up fifth. Or actually, yeah, I, I came away with fifth out of the ride. So that was my best, my best overall finish in a main event was, was at Anaheim, I think that following weekend. And then after that, trying to think back what, I know I ended up getting hurt. I broke a rib. Um, in between one of the races. Oh, you know what? Before San Francisco, I had a really scary get-off at the Alon test track. I ended up hitting neutral over the finish line double, which is like a 75-foot booter. And I would go over the thing, and I would click up to – I would hit it in third and click up to fifth in the air and, and rail the berm standing up and uh, get ready for the hoop section. And I ended up clicking it up a gear and right into neutral and took this really big digger. And I, I don't know if I – Grace of the God, some miracle. I somehow, one dude, when I'm going over the bars, I ride that sucker in. I'm going to go ahead and it doesn't matter, you know, how retarded it is. Like, hey, jump off. I'm going to ride it in. So I came into this double doing a full endo and just rode it all the way into the ground. And somehow, don't know how, I walked away with just really sore and a really badly bruised it. Yeah, it was crazy. So I, you know, I went into that following race, which was, uh, it was a mud race in San Francisco, and crashed in the first corner of my heat race, and crashed in the first corner in, uh, uh, in the LCQ as well, and ended up, you know, I obviously didn't qualify, and the whole day, though, it was just, I wasn't riding well, and practice, I think I, I was, like, dead last, <laughs> as far as my qualifying time would go, it was really bad, so... Yeah, pretty much from that point on, the rest of the season just really didn't go that well. Um, and then rolling into the outdoor series, there was just it. I mean, honestly, to be fully, on, totally honest with you, and you know, be fully straight, I I had some gnarly shit happen with the team. Um, one of the teammates had a. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it, man. This is uh, 10 years ago now. <laughs> exactly. He torqued my girlfriend. Okay. That'll put so, a dent in your, your, your results right there. Okay, yeah. who you are. Well, yeah, I was just, you know, needless to say, I was a little edgy in races after that. So, um, going into the outdoor series. Would you be so kind as to mention which rider? <laughs> you know what? I, I I don't know if I I don't want to say anything because I I wouldn't want anyone to think you know ill thoughts of the guy because he's not a 
Yeah, he's not a. I, I have nothing against him. It just it was something that happened, and and uh, you know, I mean, the girl I was with at the time was absolutely gorgeous. She was like one of those mon- one of those monster chicks, and she had her eye on my teammate. And next thing you know, you know, obviously, I find out what happens, and it was dude, it was gnarly because I'd go to the races, and I just wanted to beat the shit out of them. Like that was it. I just wanted to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> it was like a an alpha the hauler with them. Yeah, I was an alpha male thing. I was like, oh, beat on my chest, like God, just let me beat this kid's ass right now. But you know, obviously, I knew I had to. I had a job to do it, and uh, you know, I did the best I could. But mentally, man, I I literally that whole season going into the outdoors from the beginning of the outdoor season because it happened right before Vegas Supercross. I went into the season in such an ill state of mind. And then it just snowballed. I mean, thankfully, when I would get away from track and I would get back, you know, to, to, to the house and start doing my daily routine, during the week, it was okay. But when I'd get to the track and have to be around him and the team, it was just like, oh, my gosh, it was maddening, you know, because I just, I was struggling with it, you know. It was like, man, my ego had been freaking crushed, you know. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do here? But I was able to just keep it together, thankfully, you know. And I just, I prayed on it, honestly. I'd sit there and just just try to be okay with it, try to let it all go, just, you're here to race. But it was a tough season, man. I would, I'd get back to the hotel Saturday night, and I couldn't sleep. I would be up all night long. Uh, it was awful, dude. I would go to the races with zero sleep, no rest, and a lot of anger in my heart, you know. And then it showed on the, on the track, you know. I, I'd never pulled over in a race before and gave up, and in that season, I had a race where I just gave up, you know, I, I crashed four times the first lap, but still, I never gave up, you know, but I gave up, I was just mentally so done, you know, so beat up, so it was, it was a really shitty year, man, 06 was a... Steel City. Oh, man. It was crap, yeah, Steel City, that was the one, it was, I just remember being, like, so mentally disturbed, and upset and then rolling into 2007 it just it all kind of snowballed man it really truly did and that's what ended up that's why i just completely turned my back on the whole entire industry i mean i i Hmm. still rode though but i in 07 i walked away from the team and that a lot of it had to do with that you know i was so upset still and my team still had a relationship with with this guy and and I, in my heart, I didn't have this huge thing against him, you know, it, I had let that go, but the whole experience, everything I went through, I was still, I had more resentments toward the team, like, how could you still like this guy when he did this to me, you know, type thing, God, this is effed up, and, you know, and I just, I let it take control of myself, and I, yeah, I got to the point where, you know, I had some more injuries, and, and I was still ended up, you know, now dating the girl again, you know, so we broke up and now we're back together. And then that just, it almost like brought it all back to me. You know? So when we broke up, it was like, okay, it's in, you know, distant memory. But now that I'm back with her, it's like, oh, freaking it, you know. So it just turned into this really shitty situation, you know. And I ended up going into 07 feeling just really not good, you know, about life in general and, and I was struggling, you know, and 
had a lot of injuries before the season. I got pushed onto the East Coast. East and only Coast raced the one around. event, or at least only made one main. Yeah, no, I, I went to Atlanta, and, you know, I, I went into Atlanta with uh, uh, AC separation, so my shoulder was still injured. Um, you know, so I, I did it. I did pretty well, considering I had no base that year, because I had, had nothing but injuries before the season started. And, I mean, I was dealing with so much crap at home and all that. I mean, it, it was just, it was really something else. So going into the season, it was like, holy crap. You know, this is really not looking too good. And then, sure enough, more injuries. And then by the second round, I remember St. Louis, man, it, it just got to the point where the team and, you know, the guys in the team, it, it was just like, they're over it, you know. It's like, this guy is just drama, you know, and his whole life. And, I mean, there's so many great riders, and then you got this head case here that, you know, with all this bullshit, and quite honestly, like, keep it at home, dude, like, that's the thing, you know, it's like, you're, you're with this chick that's pulling all this shit, well, first of all, why are you with her, you know, what are you doing here, and you're going to let this mess with your career, which affects the team, so quite honestly, yeah. it's like, I have nothing against them, and, and the way things worked out, it's like, I just decided, boom, you know, and I can't handle this anymore, and I, I was so disgruntled against the team, and the way everything all worked out, you know, at that time, that's just where my mental mental side of things was just so jacked up. I was like, I can't do this anymore, man. I'm, I'm out, you know, and I just literally, St. Louis, I walked away from the team. I walked away from my contract. I didn't, I didn't want any of the money, you know, it was, I didn't, you know, call a lawyer and say, oh, you know, I really want to get, I had a two-year deal with Yamaha. So it was like, I theoretically, I'm racing through injuries. I could have gone to a lawyer and went, oh, man, they're making me race. And oh, wah, wah, wah. I said, fuck that. I'm done. I don't want their money. I'm disgruntled about this whole deal. I just need to walk away from this, you know, and, and yeah. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. And I walked away, and I, that was it, you know. And But at the same time, I, I didn't walk away from my my love for riding. I always rode. And, you know, I had a dad that was was always there to support me, and, and he always had dirt bikes. So during that time when I walked away, it was like, you know, I still had a dirt bike to ride, and I still had that release, you know, where I'd go out on my own and, and just go enjoy myself, you know, and and I really needed to reboot, you know, and that's what I did. So I stepped away for the rest of that year, and then ended up going back in 2008, which you know wasn't wasn't that big of a uh, hiatus. But at that point, that's over a year though. That's uh, yeah. February of '07 to May of 2008 uh, on yeah. a, on a on a privateer Kawasaki, and I got to imagine you you probably. Uh, Put it to James Stewart a bunch during that uh, that year. <laughs> oh, what was yeah, it like course, racing yeah. in the night <laughs> in uh, your your best outdoor uh, performance on a 450, going six nine? Um, Got to be a great night for you, honestly. Uh, one of the first times we've ever raced in the evening, finishing in front of guys like uh, Josh Hill, Jeff Alessi. Well, okay, it's Jeff, uh, but uh, Nick Way. A lot of those guys, like, uh, and, and and just a hair off of uh, Sean Hamlin. Yeah, no, that was an awesome event. I thought that was just really, really cool how they did that, you know, with the night race. I really look forward to having that again. Um, but, yeah, no, that whole, that whole day went, or later in the evening, it was kind of cool, you know, going, it, it felt like, kind of like Supercross. I remember qualifying was, like, later in the day, and 
that was a really cool event. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I was a part of that. I think the first and the only night race that the AMA has ever held. So, well, that was awesome, man. That, uh, you know, a lot of riders complained that they couldn't see the track or it was dangerous and that, but I grew up racing night races. That's what I was going to say, though. There's a lot of kids that basically grew up racing, like, the Wednesday night series that exist. And, like, every every time I've gone down to California, like, Star West has a Thursday night thing that they do. Like, I figured you guys would be used to that sort of thing. Like, obviously different from a daytime to, uh, uh, race, but, like, so is playing football under the lights. Like, Exactly. I don't no, know. It was, it, for me, it was awesome. I mean, I... The track, the way it was lit up, it was more than what I was used to. I thought, damn, this is actually uh, halfway decent. You know, you can see lips, and, you know, I was used to hitting jumps where you're pretty much blinded, you know. Racing the L.A. County night races, it was a heck of a lot different. So, for me, it was uh, it was awesome. I had no reservations as to the lighting on the track, and mm-hmm. for me, it was just pretty That's bitching cool. to race at night, you know, a national at night. Like, what the heck? This is awesome. So... I think You're it's like something that, uh, yeah, it was cool, man. I, I don't know if they really need to, I think, maybe bring that back and do it again. I know maybe, uh, you know, come up with maybe a better plan as to where they would hold the event. Maybe somewhere there you have a lot of lighting around, I don't know, Miller Motorsports. Maybe they got something they could do there, but I think it's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Miller you know? at night would be cool, especially because that's a really wide open track that has, uh, it's just a lot of, uh, sections there where like they just have massive jumps like you you could if you lit it up really well that could be a really cool idea um so after like that 2008 you end up uh doing a couple races in 2009 and then a three-year yeah. hiatus until 2012 uh obviously stayed on the bike but uh what happened in the, in, in there that you uh just decided to um become a part-time guy well, 2009, I, I got hired actually. Well, I went into the season doing my own deal on a, on the 450. And then financially, we were really struggling at that time. My dad financially couldn't really support me anymore. He was like, man, you really got to make this happen or, you know, I can help you get to a couple of races, but we got to figure out a plan here, what you're going to do. So, um, chances had it that star racing had, uh, one of their top guys, Brock Tickle at the time, broke his jaw at the opening round. So Bobby right. hit my dad up and was like, Sean, be interested in racing uh, a life bike for us. And I thought about it. My dad was like, look, I can get you to, obviously, here, Anaheim. I can get you to Phoenix, but that's it. So, you know, I think you should do it because you got a great opportunity here. You you know the team well. Um, you know, they're on better bikes now. They have more support for Yamaha, and I thought, you know what, let's do it, right on, and we just jumped right in and, and went for it, um, I don't think that was the wisest thing to do, because I was prepared to go racing on a 450, and I had everything totally dialed, you know, and we were ready to go, but you know what, we went for it, so uh, it was a struggle, you know, the, the bike, it was a good bike, they had a lot of improvements from the last time I had rode it. Um, but I just was never comfortable naturally, you know, I only had a, a couple of, you know, motos on the bike before the season started. We actually, we went to the Yamaha test track that morning, Saturday morning and rode the bike and I think, I, I think maybe I got like 20, 20 laps or something like that. And we went qualified. I 
I don't remember what I qualified, but I did qualify for the uh, night show, and then we just decided, you know what, I'm completely not comfortable yet. We'll just at least get a week under my belt on the bike before we go out and race. So um, we went ahead and did that, but just it, it didn't pan out, man. I I ended up getting uh, getting into the main event. I had a decent qualifier. I think I was fifth or fourth or something like that at, at Anaheim, and then ended up. Um, well, actually, I think it was Phoenix first, and Phoenix, trying to think what happened. Oh, you know what? On the, uh, the starting line of the qualifier, I, I had crashed really hard in practice and broke my helmet, so they replaced my helmet but didn't put this half-off device in it, so I got pulled uh. off the starting line. Yeah, I was literally 30, 30 boards, or, uh, 30 seconds was up, was ready to get going, and, and that guy pulls me off the line, was like, pulled my fender back. I was like, dude, you don't got your hats off thing on, you know, you can't, can't race. I'm like, oh, crap. So, obviously that really sucks. I went into the LCQ with last gate pick, and that that year, I can remember the start, I went left, and I was all the way on the right-hand side, last gate, so I just got sandwiched. And Jason Lawrence and I both didn't qualify. He was the reigning champion. I think he finished right behind me in that LCQ. So, um, that was that was a real big disappointment, though, because, you on know, the same motorcycle. Yeah, he was riding the Elmo. So I didn't qualify as a you know bottom line was I simply just didn't qualify, which was really shitty, you know. Um was stoked on that. And then we went into uh the next round and I qualified okay and ended up crashing three times in the main event, got dead last. And then uh I think the following round was uh trying to think where it was. Uh yeah, following one was San Francisco. That's where I blew my knee out. I ended up having a really, really strong heat race. Um, I was still not quite comfortable on the bike yet. We were having little, you know, minor issues with suspension, but nothing we couldn't have worked out. But, uh, had an alright heat race. Uh, I think I ended up third, something like that behind Dungey and, was it Weimer, I think, back there? Trying to think, man. Going back in time here, but, uh. To win this race was Jake Weimer. Uh, top three was, uh, on, on that night. In 2009, uh, Ryan Dungey, Trey Kennard, uh, Ryan Morris, That's Justin right, yep. Brayton, got uh, some Kyle uh, Cunningham in there, Dan Reardon. Oh, yeah, Dan Reardon. Uh, Justin Keeney, man. That is, I think that's the Buku days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is. That's, I'm yeah. pretty sure that is. Um, no, wait, he's on a KTM there, so that's the next year. Okay. After Buku, that's after Buku. But either way, uh, you did end up beating uh, uh, Jeff Alessi. You weren't able to beat Brady Sharon, though. Yeah, that, you know it's funny. Uh, Jeff, he was in the Asterix medical unit. He must have crashed out before me, but yeah. it's hard to believe because I think I crashed out of that main event. Actually, I didn't even crash out. I um, I ended up pulling a, a terrible start. I had a great start in my heat race that night, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't duplicate it in the main event. I got all squirrely out of the gate and. I was coming through the pack. I think it was the third lap. Um, I was trying to make a pass on Eric McCrumman, and our bikes connected coming out of this left-hand corner, a little step up. And my uh, my front tire crossed over his rear tire. I got off balance in the air. I put my leg out. I went into the next jump with my leg out and just blew my entire knee out. ACL, MCL, meniscus. I actually got it on video. It's really nice. I. My knee, I didn't even crash. I just put my leg out, and you just see it twist real violently. And I took a beeline straight off the track, 
launched my bike off to the left and landed like a turtle onto my back, my chest protector, and put my leg up in the air. Um, it was kind of crazy, though, because my knee, you know, obviously I felt something pop. But within about a minute or so, I was looking for my bike, like, all right, I'm ready to get back out there and finish off the main event. You know, my bike was gone. I was like, oh, what the hell happened? You know, oh, your mechanic took the bike off. So I was like, oh, okay. So I walked off the track. I literally walked off with a blown-out knee. I was like, oh, no, I'm all good. You had you know, knee I, braces, I, though, yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah. It, but mentally, though, you know, I knew that, okay, like, uh, you can't be hurt now, dude. This, this is not happening. You know, this is your time to make something happen. Like your second chance, so you're you're okay, you know. And I remember going over to the team, and you know, they're like, well, "What happened?" You go over to the asterisk medically, you know. Yeah, yeah, they they think I'm all right, just maybe a bruised knee or whatever. And I started jumping up and down. And you're like, "Look, no, I'm good. I can I can squat. I'm I'm good." Yeah, and it felt okay, but what I didn't realize that I was having an incredible amount of syndrome and you know pushing through my veins at that moment. So it wasn't true what I was feeling. So. By the time I woke up that night, though, I couldn't even move my knee. I was done. I knew it was bad. and got an MRI, and they scheduled me for surgery, and they're you know, going to do the whole teletendon, break the other kneecap, all that jargon. So um, by the time surgery rolled around, I ended up canceling three days before. I was like, you know what? My knee feels so good. It was like a month later now. So I just let that sucker heal up. And, uh, and to this day, I, I haven't had too many issues with it. So, um, I never ended up getting it operated on, but, uh, from that point on though, it took me about six months before I could really get on a bike and, and put in a good solid moto without having my knee feel really unstable. So I went into 2010 and we tried to line something up, but, you know, financially things were even worse at that point. So I was just, I would get a job doing whatever I could, man, at that point. Um, yeah, it's just moving on to other things and, and, and other things come ahead of, of racing. And uh, as much as that hurts for a rider that, that dedicated so much to it that uh, you got to feed yourself, you got to feed, uh, like, you, you, you got to live a life, right? And, and obviously, so you don't have an ACL in the one knee? No, it's completely detached. So, yeah, I mean, during that time, it's, Going back, actually, too, thinking thinking back, and I during that time I I got divorced um, in '09. I was still with that same girl, you know. We ended up getting married. Oh my gosh, you know, had a kid. Oh well, that made things oh. a lot easier. Let me tell you. So during this whole time, I was still dealing with all that crap. But then 2010 rolled around. I finally finalized the divorce. Everything was starting to settle down in my life. I'd met a new girl and. You know, someone who was solid, you know, someone that definitely helped my life wasn't a burden. So, um, you know, and, and, and things were looking all right. Uh, financially, though, things were tougher than ever, but uh, I still had my passion for riding. And, um, but I, I had to try to make ends meet, so I was doing anything I could to, to make money, you know, pretty much. It was, I worked at a bookstore, whatever. I did a few things here and there you just trying to. Do what you got to do, make, man. Exactly. So, 2010, we could nothing materialized for me. Obviously, there was no offers to go out and race for any team or anything like that. And then 2011 rolled around, and I ended up getting some decent support from good friends back home, and they had a good, uh, you know, some good backing behind me, and um, I had a decent bike, and and uh, things were looking a little bit better. You know, we were, we were out 
ready to actually go and do some racing for once. I was like, oh, crap, finally, you know? So we were uh, we were signed up for the USGP. That was pretty much the start of the season because the following weekend, if I remember correctly, that year was, uh, was going to be the start of the National Series. And I was planning on doing all the Nationals and going to start off with the USGP. So uh, I was putting in some last-minute training sessions with, uh, with my brother, actually, um, I was invited out by the Honda guys to go do a private session with them and Reed and, and uh, you know, just, just a ride. I, I wasn't riding their bike or anything, but they just invited me out. So that was cool. And then the following day, I went to Milestone and um, we went out there and I ended up having a really bad accident. I got taken out by a, a slower rider. It was an unfortunate incident. I was doing a moto at race pace and never do this again and anytime I'm riding now on a local track I completely slow my pace down I will not race by a slower rider at a at a high rate of speed at all period I mean it might seem like it's that guy but I slow down big time now oh yeah because I was going by the guy at a really high rate of speed and he he thought that I was going left and moved to the right but I was actually going to his right side and he cleaned me out so freaking fast man and it was done you know, double compound fracture arm was just brutalized you know bones were out and not the worst part was the sprain to the wrist that made my which is hard to imagine but made my break look like nothing I mean this day my wrist is an issue so yeah. I was supposed to get that fixed I was supposed to have the ligaments reattached to the wrist which I ended up canceling surgery there but um yeah, I mean, I had to get the arm done, so got the arm fixed up, and, oh, man, that was devastating. I just couldn't believe it, man. I was like, no, no, and, man. And the way, feeling, the way the medical stuff works down there, that kind of cleaned out your, that would only, like, whether or not you're fixed or not, that kind of cleans out your uh, your bank account for racing as well, right? Oh, I was fucked. <laughs> Done, dude. I had nothing then. I... I ended up getting sued after that by the hospital, and, you know, so they said my insurance didn't accept it. I don't know how the hell this happened, but I go down there, emergency surgery, and they, you know, my insurance says, yeah, we're giving them authorization, and then after we have the surgery done, my insurance says that these were uh, procedures that were not necessary. I don't know, it made up all this bullshit where you're like, wait a minute, not necessary. How is that even possible? Because, you know, these were major injuries, you know, that needed to be addressed. And it's great to be Now, the, yeah, insurance isn't going to cover it, you know. So I'm looking at like a $30,000 bill and, and you know, thank God I I hate hospitals. First thing I did is I was like, I need to get out of here, you know. I told the hospital, I was like, or told my nurse, like, I need to leave. This is it. I need out of here. They're like, no, you have major surgery and you have, you know, double compound fracture and your wounds were open and there was a lot of dirt there. Like, yeah, well, I need to get the hell out of here. So they ended up releasing me early, like really early. Within a couple of days, I was out of there, and I refused all my pain meds. And that was half the reason why I got out of there. They're like, so wait, your pain's not that bad? I'm like, nope, not at all. I'm good, man. I'm golden, ready to roll. You know, which I was lying. I was in the most immense amount of pain I've ever had. But I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good, ready to roll, you know. But they, boom, they they let me get out of there. Thank God, or I would have had even more to pay, but. At the end of it, we were able to settle with the hospital and and all that. And I wrote some letters, and and we agreed to pay in a certain amount. I actually just paid that off. So, <coughs> oh wow! Yeah, so that that was a shitty deal, you know, just dealing with that injury and and then the uh, ramifications of you know paying for all the 
incur medical expenses. And, and I had already filed bankruptcy before that, so I was like, I was just starting to rebuild my credit. Just got, you know, divorced the year before, and, you know, and man, now I got to deal with this crap. So that was, it was just a bummer, you know. And I, I really thought that, man, I'm riding really well. Maybe I can get, you know, get, get back out there, relaunch my career. And obviously that was like, no, well, ain't happening now. So just, all right, let's get back to the grind, you know. So two and a half weeks out of surgery, I was right back on my, you know, on my bicycle training, you know. It was like, all right, let's, let's get to it, you know. I mean, it was, uh, I was determined, man. I, that was no, no joke. It was time to, you've been, time to you've make been it knocked happen. down seven times. You've gotten up eight. <laughs> I was just trying, man. So, yeah, you know, I I went for it, and, you know, we were all good. I started healing up. I remember I rode two months after surgery because I thought that year, you know, I had it in my head. It was kind of comical. I think back now, but I was determined to make Pala. I'm racing Pala, man. I'm doing it. I don't care. I got hurt in May. I'm racing Pala. Yeah, double compound fracture. You ain't got nothing on me. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have right. to swallow your pride, son, because uh, at two months out, I went riding, and I remember I saw one of my good buddies at the track, and he was just like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, you're clearly, your your arm is not in any way, shape, or form ready to ride right now. Like, you're an idiot, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd, you're probably right. I went to the doctor a week before, and my bones aren't even fused together yet, but fuck it, let's go ahead and do some riding, you know? I, I got a race. I got a race in a month, man. It's time to get ready. Like, oh, you're you're on yeah. an aluminum frame. It's rigid. Your arm is yeah. not. It's the vibration. Not you're not going to get arm pump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're just numb. I don't even. I had no feeling in my hand at that time. Literally, I had nerve nerve damage. So it was like no feeling in my hand and throttle side. Yeah, the heck with that. So keep her pinned. Honestly, though, riding that day it proved me because I remember just like, oh wow, like I I literally was at about a. I'm not joking you, I could only ride maybe at a beginner pace. That's how mm. severe the injury was. I couldn't, the sprain was a major, major issue. I couldn't, I still could barely make a, just a fist, you know, so grabbing a throttle, and, you know, like this is, it was a reality check. You know, so went, do, you, right, do well, you use a quarter turn uh, throttle now? Uh, actually, I, I started using uh, the Motion Pro throttle, yeah, around that time. Uh, actually, after that, at that time, I, I was just running the, the stock one. But when I actually was able to start putting motos in and, and riding, I did get that uh, that throttle uh, from Motion Pro, which I just like that better. It's a little bit more responsive. That really doesn't have much to do with the uh, mobility of my, my wrist um, as much as I just like that. Just gives it a little bit more responsiveness for me. You know, I know some riders think, oh, you know, because the throttle basically is coming on sooner, you know. Um, but I like that feeling. So, Perfect. um, but yeah, so I, you know, the rest of that year, nothing happened. You know, I was like, all right. Uh, so 2012 rolled around and I was still dealing with major issues with the wrist. So we just let it heal up throughout winter and, and, uh, let's just get ready for the outdoor. So I ended up getting one of my good buddies, Pasha, he helped out quite a bit that year, man. He, he really pretty much bankrolled the whole operation. He got me a couple of bikes, race bike, you know, the full nine yards, and and got me going. So we uh, we got ready as best we could, and I I trained my butt off from the moment two weeks rolled around after my surgery, and you know I was starting the mending process. I was already on the mountain bike train, and 
and it just intensified from there. So, you know, thinking back on it now, I have a lot more knowledge and wisdom when it comes to training, and I, I just burned myself out so hard. The amount of training I was doing was insane. It's like craziness. I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know what I was thinking, but I was so determined mentally that this was going to happen that physically I just wasn't listening to my body. I was training so freaking hard. It was insane. And by the time the nationals rolled around, my body was so beat up and so run down from the relentless amount of training every day and just trying and going and going. And Oh my gosh, dude, I, I was, I had nothing left in the tank, you know, and I remember, gosh, it was so bitter for me, you know, that, get to the national and I got to Hangtown and I was so amped and ready but I had burned the motor out so bad and had no idea what I had done until the racing started and I remember halfway point of the first moto and I've come from like 25th and I'm already into 9th and I'm catching Grant and I'm like dude I am going for it I don't I'm putting it all out there and now I'm starting to lose my vision and starting to black out and I'm starting to Hangtown. get used. Oh, yeah, I was done. I was like, uh, what is going on right now? I just, it was making me so angry. I could not believe it. I'm like, holy shit, you know, and I ended up just bombing the moto. I almost freaking died. Peter got 14. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, my God, I was so demoralized. I got off, you know, the race and, or off the track, and I it was just a terrible, terrible race for me. I, I had a, a full meltdown complete meltdown. I collapsed after the raid. I mean, it was bad. You know, I, the, the state I was in physically was not good. It was like, what the hell just happened? You know, I mean, all that training and what is going on here? You know, I, I was pretty much just scratching my head, like, what the hell? <laughs> and like, I had just been working my ass off for about two solid years now and just didn't realize that, man, you, you burned the motor out. You had nothing last year. You're, uh, your amount of training that I was doing, it just there was nothing. You know, I, my immune system was collapsing, and, and uh, yeah, so it was gnarly, man. Second moto rolled around, and I was just an injured, wounded warrior, man. And, and the rest of that year, it just I ended up doing. Uh, oh man, it just nearly ended up crappy. I had second round, what was it? So he did. Uh, you did. Uh, did um... Hangtown went crappy. Thunder Valley and Thunder, uh, Valley. Thunder Valley and Lake uh, Lake Elsinore were were two pretty tough nights for you, or two, oh, two tough races. Horrible, exactly. I mean, and then I went into um, Thunder Valley, and you know, it it was actually going to work out better because I was still dealing with immune system issues and with the overtraining. Um, I ended up talking to one of my good buddies, Daryl Eklund, and, and he was analyzing what I was eating, and I had told him, like, here's what I've been doing, I don't know what's going on, and, you know, he's going, well, send me your resting heart rate, let's see what's going on here, and, you know, let's make an evaluation, and, you know, he straightened me out big time, he looked at what I was eating, and saw my diet, and all the, you know, inadequate amounts of nutrition, he was like, look, like, you, at that time, I was doing pretty much a vegan diet what I thought was necessary. Uh, not 100%, but most of my food throughout the day was rabbit food. I mean, I would start off the day with a gigantic, freshly pressed juice of chard and all this amazing stuff, which is incredible, but I had no base. It was no 
no like carbohydrates and fats and, and proteins. I was just on a juicing diet. And after motoing and working out hard, I was you know celery, chard, carrots, chips. I would always mix it with with uh, you know blue chips. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but um, there's blue corn chips. You know, and it was like. Okay, well, where's your protein? You know, I remember Daryl looking at my diet like, dude, what are you doing here? Well, no wonder you're burning the motor out because you're not giving yourself any fuel, you know? It's like you got yourself all these amazing amounts of micronutrients, but you got no fuel to burn, you know? So it's like, oh, shit, you know, so what do I eat, you know? And he's like, well, try eating this, you know? Wow, what a novel idea, some bread. And I remember him coming out to the track once and he had a freaking loaf of bread. And he's like, eat some damn bread, Sean. Like, come on. All you're eating is, you yeah, know, something with negative calories. Exactly. You know, he's like, come on, dude, you're, you know, and then when he saw my resting heart rate, I remember him going like, ah, uh, uh, really? 50, uh, it was like mid 50s. Like, really? Are you really working out as hard as you say you are? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> he's like, well, take a few rest days. And, you know, see where your resting heart rate is. And, you know, and then after taking some rest days, I was like, oh, wow, you know, you're in the, low 30s. Okay, well, that makes sense. All right, so you're just overtrained here, so now, you know, start building. But the damage had already been done. You know, it was like, at that point, I just needed to completely stop training and, and just let the body recover and then get to the race at least feeling strong. But instead, I was working backwards. It's like, no, 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 I got to work harder, you know. And unfortunately, I'm, you know, you can only do so much with a dumb pull-off, you know. I just, I was so hard-headed, man. I was like, no, 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 I got to work hard, you know, it's time to make it happen. And shit, it just all came unraveled. And by the time uh, Lakewood was, ended up, would have been okay because some weather came in and it was, wasn't was that hot, so that would have saved me and I probably could have had a strong result, but I ended up wadding it really hard in the first, first moto and ended up rupturing some discs in my back and so I had a minor back injury and you know, it just ended my race, and I was it. Had a hard crash, boom, bang, there goes my race. Uh, I ended up DNF in the first moto, didn't race the second moto. Like, wow, that was really great. So now I knew that year we only had it in the budget to do three races. Now I had one, one more shot to do something, to get a ride for the following year. And at that time, time the uh, last national rolled around, my physical state was so bad that I mean my lymph nodes were literally I the doctor thought that I had cancer and had I ended up going in for surgery to get a lymph node removed to get a biopsy to screen it for cancer. The guy saying, you know, I mean obviously you got all these swollen lymphs underneath your armpits and your groin and your neck, you know, all over the place. So he took the largest one inside my groin and and uh you know, I mean Luckily, I didn't have cancer, but I had a bacterial infection throughout my whole body. And, you know, that was from, I have another, I have a disease called eczema that it, it basically, I got really, really itchy skin. And at that mm. time, my skin, you know, I still have the disease, but it's in complete control. Back then, it was, during that whole time, it was getting out of control. I mean, the breakout. And it, and it breaks studying. out the more, like, it was physical activity is actually harsh on it, too, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, uh, you know, and not just that, but mentally I was so upset with the way things were going that year, and, and we had some, uh, just some really tough stuff happen within my family, too, so it was, like, just a lot of stress, you know, and, and 
it was just exacerbating the uh, the condition, you know, and it got to the point where I was filled with infection, you know, and not just that, but the overtraining, which hurts your immune system. It's it's really good to train and stress your body, but you need that recovery. The recovery is the most important part, you know. It's like stress the body, but now you got to recover and let the body rebuild, and you know, and, and I just wasn't allowing it to do that. So my skin was at an all-time, you know, high, if you want to call it that, for being how bad it was. And, and uh, yeah, man, that bite, oh, my gosh, it was just so bad. I remember I had uh, pneumonia, at, and I still tried race, and it was like, man, really going to try to race now? So all, on top of all this and all these lymph nodes that are swollen and all this shit feeling like hell, now I got pneumonia. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and try and race. So I tried racing. I ended up qualifying. And first moto, I I was, I honestly, back then, I had the thought that if I do not pull off right now, I'm going to die. Like, I was blacking out within a few minutes into the race. And I felt just terrible, terrible, absolutely terrible. And uh, straight away, I mean, I got back to the track or back to the truck and, my brother was like, dude, you need to go to the medical unit now. Like, you look awful, you know. You're, I've never seen someone sweating so severely. Like, you you barely rode out there. You're, you shouldn't be looking like this right now. So he was like, you just need to go over there. So brought me over there, and I sat there for the rest of the day on IVs. And they were like, you're severely dehydrated, you know. I'm like, I don't know how. I've been just hydrating myself. I didn't work out at all for the last two weeks because I got terribly ill, you know. And then that's when I uh, I brought up my my lymph node issues. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, they were all sore, and I had the doc look at them, and he's like, no, oh, it doesn't look right. You need to uh, you need to go get that checked out. You know, definitely. Oh. Don't let that don't let that go because you shouldn't be having lymph nodes that are all crazy swollen like that. You know, I mean, I'd, and we had had within my family, my uncle had uh, a really crazy bowel with cancer that year mm-hmm. before and that's how he found it was a swollen lymph node on his throat you know so obviously you know my uncle and everyone was like dude this is not good you know you need to get this checked out so that's what we ended up doing after that you know it was like wow this ended up not working out and I just went and decided this is time to I got to get my health back you know I'm, I'm really not doing well and uh Luckily, everything turned out to be okay. It was just a bacterial infection, and, and I just let myself heal, and I learned from this whole experience, and, you know, it was like, all right, let's learn from this and turn it into a positive, and first thing I did after 2012, right after the race, is I went out and started applying for jobs, and I was like, I got to get a job. First thing I got to do, I can't keep, you know, you know what I mean? It's like doing yeah. the same thing, expecting different results. I had to do that's, something different. That's madness right there. Exactly. So it was like, all right, I know I want to race. I want to do it. I want to get back in, but it's not working. So let's do something else. Let's figure it out. So that's what I did. Ended up uh, landing a job pretty much right away. Um, within a month or so, it was like, boom, I was already hired. And, and uh, you know, the rest is history, you know, and, and I, I'm thankful for for having the sense, you know, to, to finally come to the realization that, you look, your career didn't work out like you wanted it to. And you just got to gotta swallow the defeat, man, and just take it. 
and turn it into move on and move turn, forward yeah. and, and, and stay stronger because of it, man. It looks like you've been given a lot of opportunities to be strong. Uh, it's been, it's been told to me many times that you don't, you're not given strength. You're given a lot of opportunities to be strong and that's how you develop it. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how, uh, how, how amazingly you've come to the end of this, uh, or it's not really the end of it. It's just that like, you've come out the other end, uh, and continuing on, uh, with a, with a great outlook on life and a great outlook on racing. And I think, uh, the 2007, eight, nine, Sean Collier would have looked at a 15th, 16th, uh, position at, uh, the Hangtown National and been pretty upset with himself. And I think you can honestly say that uh, based on your, like how much you're training and how much you're racing and all this fun stuff, uh, like placing 14th overall in a national is pretty incredible. Yeah, no, I mean now, you know, obviously having a full-time job and doing everything I'm doing, it's, it is kind of funny, you know, like looking back, like, holy crap, you know, I pretty much finished higher now than what I was when I was training my butt off and, you know, and things just weren't working out, you know. But now I'm mentally far stronger. You know, I don't have the financial burden that I used to wake up with every single day, just not even knowing what I was going to do for dinner that night because I had no money and no money to pay bills and, you know, get, yeah, just, it was just crappy, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, you know, I, now my life is, is so much better in that, that regard and it's affected the rest of my life positively and, and going through these experiences and, and having all that has just made me a stronger person. So, you know, when I get to the track now, it's, it's really cool to just be out there and, and be able to do what I can do and just have fun with it. And, and I know that this, uh, this whole thing, it's not going to last forever. You know, I'm not going to be able to maintain, you know, this lifestyle, being able to go out there and, and race nationals and have a full-time job, for forever I won't because it's tough for me. I mean, after a national now, because I can't go out there and ride during the week and put in the necessary amounts of time and training, I'm going in at at a quite a bit of a disadvantage, um, physically speaking, because riding moto is very, very difficult on the body. So I feel it now big time after a national, but I'm so strong now as far as my health that, Mm -hmm in my mental health that I, I'm finishing nationals stronger, right? But I I definitely feel it though. You know, Monday rolls around, man, I'm like, oof, boy. <laughs> that Sunday, you know, or that actually it's Saturday. So I have a full two days of recovery, but I'm still feeling it. It's gnarly, you know, but it's it's cool though. So I'm gonna ride this out as long as I can, as long as my body's gonna allow me to. Um, you know, to still be able to to be a good technician and do what I'm doing or, or wherever I end up, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 30 soon. So I'm thinking, shit, maybe I can do this another 10 years. That would be cool. You know, no kidding. Um, be, uh, be Mike Treadwell meets, um, John Dowd and, and Doug Henry. If they had some sort of a weird thing and they, that would be you. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I don't know about Doug like Henry, got... man, and Dowdy. That's, that's some pretty <laughs> big names there, man. <laughs> Scrap iron, man. Uh, so, it sounds like you've gotten to where you're going. Uh, do you have time for a couple last few questions? I know we've been having this conversation for about two hours Absolutely. now. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, we got time, man. Yeah, I actually just got up here, so now I got, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Ask away, my friend. All right. So, um, favorite rider growing up? Oh, David Bailey for sure, hands down. David Bailey, and uh, obviously, wasn't it? You weren't able to uh, watch a lot of his career. Like, I, what, I don't even know what year you would have been born. You like, actually, you would have been born the year he got hurt. 85. So, yeah, I think he got hurt. Wasn't he, wasn't he hurt in 87? Or was it 80, 85? Yeah. I thought late 86. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I was I like a year, was, uh, year yeah. old or so. Okay. So you're a year old, but that that's cool. Um, yeah, no, David so, Bailey, uh, why for David? sure. Um, you know what? Probably the reason is because my dad, um, he always had the Gary Bailey videos and he... And there was this one video in particular, it was a dedication video to David when he got hurt. And I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it's an, it's an awesome video, I'll tell you. And, uh, I just, I loved it. I used to watch it over and over and over and, and I just saw how he interacted with the other kids, you know, and, and the other fans in the video. And I thought, man, this guy is awesome. You know, that. David Bailey was like my hero growing up. That's that's who I wanted to ride like. That's who I wanted to be like. And I wanted to ride a factory Honda because David Bailey rode a factory Honda. And thinking about that now, you know, it's like, you know, everything that I, you know, whatever accomplished in my career, everything that happened, having things like that, or I got to work with David Bailey, you know, because I used to look at that guy when I was just a little kid and go, oh, man, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to ride with him? Like, that's never going to happen because now he's hurt, and oh, man, and who knows? I see him on TV, and that's it, and I'll never meet him. And then freaking 10 years later, I meet the guy. He's even cooler in person than I could have ever even imagined. He's got tons of insight, positive positive person and uh i end up freaking staying at his house for a week you know and and training with him and learning all these awesome things and and just hearing so many cool stories and you know that right there was worth it to me i mean my whole career right there that, that that's worth more to me than any race win or anything and i know oh, well you never had a race win well you know i had some amateur race wins and you could take all that crap away and getting to actually spend a week with David Bailey was badass. That was that was like the highlight of my career. <laughs> there you go. Oh, seriously, it was really cool. So, you know, because that's who I looked up to, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, now I'm hanging with the guy and, you know, and then not only that, but the guy's working with me and he's, you know, critiquing my writing and it was it was a pretty cool experience. So, yeah, David Bailey was, was the guy, man. That's who I looked up to. For sure, absolutely, and a good good idol. Absolutely, uh, he did a ton of great work uh, with uh, Supercross. Was announcing, and then obviously uh, a rider that uh, it was the professor man. The guy was a, a surgeon out there. Um, favorite race bike you've ever had? Period could be the one you had in the 2014 Nationals. It could be your 2003 CR2 125. What 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 was it? Favorite bike, KX500, for KX500. sure. KX500. Yeah, it's, it's a nostalgic deal, for sure, because the bike, truly, when anyone rides it, if you were to analyze the way it works compared to a new bike or this and that, yeah, it's it's got some flaws, but 
once again, going back to David Bailey, I used to watch him ride that 500, and it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> like, so, exactly, riding that 500. I don't know, I love it. I love riding the thing. I mean, I like this year, we're going to be getting ready for the two-stroke nationals. I want to ride the KX500. And it's like, oh, really, why? Man? You ride a badass two-stroke, you know, good new bikes. Like, no, I want to ride the 500, man. It's just like when I go up to uh, Mammoth this year, the two-stroke, you know, I want to ride the 500 again. I just love that bike. I, it takes um, just a lot it's more a skill control. set, unlike any others. Like that, I I put the skill set for a five hundred right up there with riding trials. Like it's so different and so unique to make those things go good. Exactly. It's it takes a lot of patience and uh, throttle control and and respect. You know, as soon as you you put your guard down and start disrespecting the bike or, or, you know, thinking you can throw it around like it's a little toy. It's going to just toss you. Smack you. Right and, it, and it will. Yes. And she, she's done it to me a couple of times. I'm, I get all confident on her. She went, oh, yeah, all right. Well, here is what I think. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my favorite bike. Favorite bike. Uh, favorite non-motocross app on your phone. Non motocross app on my phone. Well, let's see here. I don't really have any apps anymore because <laughs> my phone's a piece of crap. But uh, I would say probably. Oh man, what, else? what app? I don't even know, dude. Um, hmm, dude, I don't really use any of my apps. I don't know. I can't really tell you anything. Well, you know, let me see here. I got. You know what? I guess we'll have to say uh, my heart rate monitor app. <laughs> heart rate monitor app. That's that's the one we'll go with. Uh, obviously, <laughs> working on a heart rate is uh, a great way to, to track your fitness. And uh, for your knowledge, uh, Adam Cianciarello's heart rate, resting heart rate, 39. 39, really? I yeah. figured it would be lower than that, but oh, wow. And we're all different. For sure, he's also a he's also a little younger, so that uh, he is. He's only like sixteen and <laughs> and a quarter or so. Now, how old is Adam? Like he's eighteen. Eight, he's now? eighteen. He uh, he's he got a late birthday actually. He, he's got a September birthday, so he's eighteen. Okay, okay, yeah. You know what's yeah. funny? Because my resting heart rate it was it was around I think like right around there at his age, and then as I've gotten older, it's it's gotten lower. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad. You're just thing. mellowing out, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's so, got, it keeps along with the revs on the the 500. You got to keep the revs low. You got to keep the RPM low. You've become one with the bike. Exactly. That's what you got to do. For sure. Favorite motocross video game over the years? I know you had to have played some growing up. Yeah, you know what? I don't play any games at all anymore, but I was probably the undisputed champion of, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding, uh, Motocross Unleashed, or no, no, MX, MX versus AATV Unleashed, I don't know if you remember that one, but, oh yeah, oh yeah, I played them all, is that the one with, uh, Carmichael on a Suzuki, and James on Cowie? Oh, dude, I don't even know what, what riders it was, but it was I basically so. like 2002, 2003, I'm trying yeah. to think. Yeah, it wasn't the newer version. It was the older one before they came out with the, I don't know, now they, yeah, exactly. All the kids play that game, and uh, I like those games too. Uh, But uh, if I still had one of those old systems, I'd definitely throw that on, or uh, MX Superfly, 
Those, that was like right in my wheelhouse. Oh, okay, yeah, and I never played that one. I did the MX versus ATV Unleashed on, I think it was uh, PlayStation. That's what I go. used to yeah, something like that. Have you ever used the fact that you race motocross to pick up women? Never, never, ever, not once. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I've always uh, kept it real quiet. Actually, any girl that I ever dated, I was, like, super shy about it, and then they'd be like, wait, you, you know, you're... You ride and stuff like how did she be proud about that? I'm like, well, I am, but I don't like to talk about it with people. Keep it on the DL, you know what I'm saying? That's funny, uh, actually. Uh, there's a, a a guy who plays for a local, uh, the local professional football team here. Happened to be friends with him, and when he's at the bar, he introduces himself as Andrew, and because uh, his name's Andy Fantuz, and uh-huh. uh, he actually played with uh, the Bears for for one season. But yeah, he introduces himself as Andrew, and no one, no, uh, none of the girls uh, know who he is until uh, until they see him on TV. That's uh, so classic, <laughs> for sure. Uh, if you didn't play, if you didn't go pro as a motocross racer, what sport would you have liked to go pro with? Um, climbing. Climbing, pro climbing, absolutely. Fair enough. Yes, definitely climbing. Well, Sean. It's been two hours. Uh, I, I hopefully got you through uh, the last two hours of your, your trip. Uh, going down memory lane, uh, it was a trip through uh, Northern California as well as memory lane. And uh, um, for those who are listening, this is what it would be like to uh, go on a car ride with Sean Collier when you're going to ask him all the right <laughs> questions about uh, his, his, uh, his career and happen to have the Google open the entire time to make sure you know all of his stats and uh, finishes throughout his career. Man, it was pure gold. Anyone who doesn't love this uh, podcast uh, should just be ashamed of themselves. It was, it was a, you're well-spoken. You explain things really well, and I uh, can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for, for coming on the program. Dude, my pleasure, and thank you for keeping me up because usually I'd be driving with one eye open and the other closed. So. <laughs> Appreciate you keeping me awake this whole drive. No and, problem, uh, brother. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be back soon. Definitely. Uh, uh, we'll say goodnight to, for now, but uh, we'll definitely have you on again. All right, brother, man. You, uh, you have yourself a good, uh, good productive week, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Take care, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.